Hello, it's Dawn, and this is my podcast, Conversations. It's a variety show about real life stuff, and there's something on here for everybody. So if that sounds good to you, let's go. Welcome to another episode of Conversations. Today I have Kimberly Quinn. Hi, Kimberly. Hi, Dawn. Welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show because I know you are a busy woman. Well, thank you for having me. I love a fellow supporting a fellow podcaster. Yeah. And I, I just listened to one of your episodes. It's a great podcast and what a great theme. Like we are all in our heads all the time. So I definitely want to go there. But I got your name from Dr. Tom Myers. So how do you know him? Uh, Tom and I are colleagues. He's, he's since semi-retired, but I've known him from here at Champlain College. We're professors. Okay. Yeah, he's a busy guy, too. You guys are both busy. And we're doing all kinds of exciting projects. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the synchronicity guy. Yes, he is. And I couldn't wait to talk to him about that. His, his episode is going to air this coming Friday. No, no, next the next Friday. But anyway, I love that topic. It's so, it just makes my mind explode. You know, just thinking of all of that abstract stuff. But the stuff that you talk about is so important. It's so essential because we do get in our heads too much about things. And how, like, how do you start your day? How do you even get yourself to not go there? Because I feel like right when we wake up, we start with the self-talk. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can tell you, sort of shoot from the hip and tell you what I do every day of my life, if that's what you want. to Do, do. it, like, yes. Okay. Um, well, uh, a long time ago, from I heard from John Kabat-Zinn. I was reading, I forget if I was reading or watching him, but he's a mindfulness guru. And years ago, he talked about, you know, when you first wake up in the morning, just stay there for a minute. You know, just stay there and be mindful. So I stare out the bay window. We have a beautiful view. And I say, thank you. My husband's used to this. I say, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't say any more than thank you, Dawn, but in my head, I'm thinking, thank you for this gift of a new day. Just say thank you. And then when I swing around and my feet hit the ground, I say thank you again. And I don't say anything other than that. Thank you. Um, but in my head, I'm thinking, you know, my happy feet work, my vertebrae are all intact. You know, just I uh, just thank you. And then this my whole routine takes probably less than 10 minutes from there. I go to the living room, I grab my gratitude journal, make a cup of hot tea. I write down three things that I am grateful for with the words I am grateful for, because that is essential for the neurons to know what to do and rewire. And then uh, I take a, a, a you know mindful minutes. And then, and then if it's not monsooning, <laughs> I, you know, I, I head to the woods with Giovanni, the golden retriever. And from there, I have a whole prayer routine that I do also. And then occasionally, if uh, if I'm having like a monkey mind day, which I wouldn't say it's really super frequent, but if, if, if it is a day, I know that was a topic for you. If it is a day like that, then when I'm out in the woods, I do a, what's called a gratitude rampage. So I go on for 17 seconds, just kind of throwing up everything that's going right. That's a smart thing to do because we, it is our tendency just to focus on the negative no matter what. Well, yeah, that's because that's because we're, uh, we're, we're predisposed to do so. So no matter what the genetics are, we can't, you know, toss out genetics whenever we're talking about human animals or non-human animals, but it goes back to Dawn. I'm sure you know this. It's very primal, you know, from when 
the glaciers were shifting and, you know, large carnivorous reptiles were chasing us into caves. We really sort of learned to that, that, that negative thinking was actually very adaptive for back then because right. it kept us surviving. But now what's happened is, you know, a pterodactyl or a T-Rex about to scoop us up and have us for lunch <laughs> and that fight or flight thing are free. So now that's turned into, oh my God, I, I, I missed an email from my boss. It's been a whole day, like, oh my God. And it's the same level because it, it's very primal. And so we, we uh, you know, as much as the brain is advanced, the limbic system, which is of course in the middle, which is emotional headquarters, has not, I'm sure you know, it, it's, it's referred to as the reptilian part of the brain. It hasn't advanced that much. We're still in that. That's crazy. As much as uh, we've adapted every other way, it's crazy that our brain would still stay the same. Yeah. And it's, and, and here's the thing too, too, Dawn is, in, um, is that whether, whether it's actually in real time, like we're about, you know, we hear footsteps in a, in a dark alley or by a dumpster or whatever. And we, you know, the, the, you know, the, the flight flight switch is flipped on in the limbic system or whether we're sitting on the couch at home with our partner and the golden retriever completely safe with a fire in the fireplace, but we're starting to allow a thought that's, that's threatening or, you know, from, from, you know, an old thought, the brain does not know the difference at all, you know, as far as whether it's about to be mugged or you're creating a scenario that's, we're not saying you don't feel like you still feels real. Right. But the brain doesn't know the difference. And sort of one of the really bad things about that is that when there's a real time threat, cortisol is released by the threat circuit, right? So that's the main stress hormone. So that's meant to keep us alive where we're hypervigilant. You know, we, we see better, hear better, everything better to keep right. us alive, right? Well, the thing is cortisol is meant to last about three hours in the body because most crises are over. Hate to, not to be morbid, but you know, anything, assault, <laughs> I mean, they're usually over within three hours, right? right? So cortisol is meant is a good thing up for the, for three hours after that, not so much. It, it's like Rambo going through the brain and, and kills off healthy neurons, primarily in the hippocampus, which is our memory, you know, long-term memory. So if we're on the couch reliving all kinds of old stuff, or we're triggered out, you know, at a staff faculty or staff meeting or a business meeting or whatever, that the cortisol, if we're kind of thinking those monkey mind thoughts that are usually negative, for longer than three hours, the cortisol is still rolling through the, the bloodstream. And that's really, really dangerous for mental well, health. Right. Um, and is it true that, that you think the same loop of thoughts almost every single day on repeat? Yeah, like true? 95%. It is true. Mm-hmm. How in the world do you stop that train? <laughs> that's a well, lot of- it, well- that's a really good, that's a really good question. Like if you listen to Joe Dispenza, I like him a lot. He says about the age of 35, it gets pretty locked in, but it's coming straight from the vault of the unconscious. So about, yeah. And also Wayne Dyer talks about, a lot of people talk about that. So yeah. how, your question is, how, so basically the unconscious drives the bus, right? So if we're thinking the same thought, cause thoughts come first back up here, thoughts come first and they elicit feelings, right? And then after feelings comes behavior. So if we're think, thinking the same thoughts, you're going to feel the same feelings, which are going to lead to same, 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 right? Right. So your question is, how do I stop that? So we have to really 
begin to pay attention to, um, you know, the, the negative monkey mind thought chatter that's going through our minds and, and really sort of, um, you know, fact check. And we can all, we also pay attention to how we feel. The number of feelings come second, but let's just say, for example, I'm at a, I'm at a social thing and maybe somebody says something that isn't even horrible, but for whatever reason, it takes me back for, to this pit in my stomach shame feeling, even though it doesn't make sense with the environment. Right. It's really good to question like, where the heck did that come from? Right. Because that's coming from the vault. Somebody said something that reminded me of when I was three, but I can't trace it because it's unconscious. Yeah. And to really, to really um, pull yourself into awareness because in order to, rewire the brain we've got to really um we've got to really get rid of the junk as wayne dyer would say we got got to get rid of the crap to do that and in order to do that we've got to pull it into consciousness yeah i like that term fact check because it is so true it seems so real and so factual when, mm-hmm. the, when the thought comes it's like oh of course i'm thinking it so it must be accurate <laughs> when in all reality you're it's brain- not is just spewing out random yep. things and they may not be factual at all. God, oh. that's so crazy. Feelings aren't facts. Absolutely not. And so the thoughts come first and then the feelings after. Yeah. In other words, you can't feel anxious if you don't think an- anxious thoughts first. It's literally impossible. So what I'll do with my mind, because I teach a course called Mind Craft, which I designed actually. So I'll, I'll, I'll say to my students, if they're confused, Think about this, and I pick somebody I can kind of play with. I say, <laughs> let's, let's take, you know, jo- Jonathan here. If, if we were to carve through Jonathan's, you know, skull with kindness and anesthesia and take his very brilliant mind and put it up on the shelf in a fishbowl of formaldehyde, what would Jonathan be feeling? And they kind of look around like, as a, you know, the answer is nothing because you, even if the thought is automatic, there's got to be cerebral activity for you to feel anything right and so it goes right back to the brain conscious or unconscious you cannot feel nervous or anxious or fear-based or whatever without those feeling without the thoughts first Hmm. so you actually teach this in school in college I i do and and do people seem to receive it pretty well, or I mean, like, cause their brains are still forming in college, correct? <laughs> yes. Up until age 25, the prefrontal cortex, um, for, for uh, genetic females and genetic males is actually the, the same. They both are. So the, I get them. I usually have mostly first year. So they're half baked bread really, or maybe two, <laughs> two, 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 thirds. Half two thirds. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would say light bulbs go go on. Is that what you, yeah, like um, yeah, and, yeah, and they come back and say it at the end of the semester. They really, um, and we we of course practice mindfulness. The first minute of class, we do one minute of mindfulness every day, followed by gratitude. Because one of the other um, tips and tricks to into uh, also fact checking is the students have gratitude journals just like I do. And every day of class, of, of, uh, not just class, every day, seven days a week, they write, I am grateful for doing this podcast. I am grateful for my family. I am grateful for, with those words, um, my golden retriever or whatever. And mm-hmm. because they learn, and it's about 21 days is the average amount of time for a habit to shift. Habits are not broken or made, they shift. And so it takes roughly that time. If you've been 
in locked into negativity for a long time might take a little longer, but I usually do a check-in with them at about the three week mark and they're going, Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't believe it. Oh my God. Professor. I'm starting to see that, you know, more, more good in the day without even trying. And tell me if you want me to go on or not. Cause I don't want to be too chatty. Oh no, you're doing great. I'm eating this up. This okay. is it's because, because something happens uh, when we're doing the, again, you need those words or the neuron, neurons are kind of like wayward two-year-olds. They need a lot of direction. <laughs> you, it's got a constant, like a good parent consistency and follow through. Right. Right. So I am grateful for, I am grateful for, I am grateful for 21 days. Things start to, to shift because something called the Tetris effect is happening. Um, Sean Aker talks a lot about that in uh, in his book, The Happiness Advantage. But basically, are you familiar with the video game Tetris? Yes. Yeah, okay. So, it, so you know, it's a game that, for, in case your listeners don't know, it's about colorful shapes and different sizes and things. And it's, and it's just about kind of organizing them in patterns. And so the brain loves patterns. So that can work well for us or not. And so Sean talks about it in the negative sense first, which I uh, was research done with with accountants. And of course, what do accountants do all day? Right. They look for errors right. all day long. And so it, it was found that accountants, because they got so conditioned to looking for mistakes and errors and you know things not right, that they were taking what they were doing at their work with taxes and bringing that home and looking for errors in their partners and siblings and parents and uh, so that's the Tetris effect. We actually, the brain loves patterns. We, we kind of generalize and take it with us. So with the gratitude journal, that is the Tetris effect working in a positive light. Because after 21 days of I am grateful for, I am grateful for, I am grateful for, the brain is recognizing this pattern now. And now all on its own, without us telling it what to do, it's starting to seek out the positive in the day unconsciously. And it continues, it just continues and continues and continues. And just like any other habit, we, it takes less maintenance. You know, you keep doing it and keep doing it. And then the other thing is um, with all the different anxiety hacks and all that other stuff I do, I explain to the students that a grateful, two, two things, the mindfulness thing and grat gratitude, they go together. When, a, when we are in the moment, present in this moment, a hundred percent and feeling grateful, there can be a no, no anxiety, no depression. I don't care what you're diagnosed with. It's not there. I say, unless I'm, you know, beating you with a spiked club, which is not happening <laughs> right now. And it, it just, you know, so co cognitively speaking, anxiety in, a, in, a, in the moment with a grateful mind, you cannot have, you can't take up the space. Mm. Yeah, because there's probably a lot of people out there that would struggle to say what they're grateful for. And I know that sounds weird. You know, you're grateful to be breathing or grateful mm -hmm. to be alive, but you know, you're, if you're in debt or if you're in an unhappy marriage, you know, you might wake up and just be like, I don't even know what to be grateful for. Like, how do you snap out of that? I ha I do have that on occasion. I had that actually a few weeks ago and I had one of my, one of my rock stars. That's what I call them. I could tell that they were just, you know, and, and they said, what do I do? And I said, well, this is a really good learning moment because we all have days like that. And this is why it's really, really good to have a default gratitude and just choose it. And just, you can just keep it the same. And for me, um, mine is eyesight. My youngest brother-in-law is blind and he's such a hot ticket. I mean, he's just in a good mood 90 plus percent of the time. Mm. He's amazing. And he doesn't know what a sunset looks like. He can't drive obviously. 
He's got two beautiful kids, our niece and nephew, and he can't see them. And so for me, and it, do, it doesn't mean also too, Dawn, I want to like say the wrong thing. Like um, it doesn't mean to minimize whatever it is is going on in your own life. Sure, sure. It means though to, to acknowledge that, but then shift out of it, at least in the moment to realize, you know, what, how much worse would things be if, right. if I couldn't get in the car and get away from here right now? Or, you know, the, the sunset or seeing my kids face, you know, so for me, it's, um, it's eyesight and having a default gratitude almost, is, almost brings a secure feeling to people. I think I watch my students and if they're having a day like that, they know when, when we go around and do our gratitude share right after mindfulness, that if it's a default day, it's a default day. I'm grateful for my breathing. I'm grateful for my, like I said, my eyesight. I'm grateful that my legs work, anything like that. At least it, it, it's something. Yeah, no, that's so true. I love that. Somebody always does have it worse, but I mean, you don't obviously wish that upon anybody, but if it helps your perspective change that it could be worse for you than it is. Yeah. And not even comparing really, you know, you can, but even without the comparison, right. I'm just grateful for my eyesight. I brought up my brother-in-law just to kind of make the point, but when I do it, it's not, it's, it's just like, I'm so grateful, not attached to anybody else. Like right now I'm looking out at a view over Lake Champlain and the Adirondacks. I can be grateful for that without thinking of any detriments. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes, for sure. What, what got you started even thinking about all of this, just well-being and life satisfaction, all that, what, what started you down that road? I don't know. I mean, I'm, super, <laughs> I'm a super resilient person. I, I, I had quite a, you know, sort of a turbulent childhood, I guess you could say. So I've always been kind of like resilient and looked for the, look for the good. Uh, but as, as far as the, the actual projects and everything I'm, I'm involved in now, I've been at Champlain for 13 years. And I started teaching positive psychology years ago. I don't even know the number of years ago. And then one of my, it must have been my dean, I think. I don't know. I, I came up with, I, 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 I came up with uh, just like a new sexy title. <laughs> and, and, and it's, and it's all, it's all mine. It's all me. And I kind of created like a new, a new, I, I use some basics of positive psychology and then I created my own thing that was very practically oriented with actual real practical tips and, and really good activities uh, that are bring about self-awareness for students. And so it's kind of like foundations of positive psych, but with really sort of hands-on activities that they really love, according to them. Yeah, that, that that are really work to help them feel good, you know, help them to feel better about themselves and to know their own value and and have gained deeper insight to, into their own signature strengths. Mm. So, I went around the block. I'm not sure if that answered the question. No, no, that was great. So do you only teach at the college or do you ever go speak? at? Because I think like grade school age kids would benefit from that information so much that's such a hard age with puberty and everything. Yeah, actually I have a, I have one on Friday. Oh, for, do you? For high school kids. I, I do, I do big things at other universities too. And I, I did a vault, actually this one, I, I do some pro bono stuff locally. Mm-hmm. So I did a, a little mindfulness demo for a local second grade. And uh, I, I'm doing a pro bono thing Friday for a high school that's sort of local. 
on anxiety. What basically what I was just talking with you about. I'm doing. Yeah. Oh, I give them actual. Um, kind of like when you go to a birthday party and you're eight, and you leave with a uh, treat bag. <laughs> so the, uh, the one Friday uh, for these high school kids is going to be a lot of what we just talked about. Only they're going to leave with actual practical, easy hacks that work work for most people. Um, I usually do my disclaimer because most people, because if somebody like anxiety, like anything else is on a spectrum, right? Sure. So we a little nervous all the way to can't get out of my dorm room or house to go to work or school or something like that. And typically, and then there's a the whole middle. So typically people that um, are on, on the, you know, com, you know, really to the point where they're, it's impairing their life significantly, like can't get out the door, whatever. They often need obviously professional treatment and sometimes medication to get into a place where, their mind can can then access these strategies, um, but yes, I speak all over the place. Not all. That's exaggerated. I speak. <laughs> I speak. I speak around when I'm asked. Yeah. Well, besides like the the gratitude journal, say somebody's got a high anxiety about um, a test. You know, they're getting ready to go in and take a test. I mean, do you have like a, some kind of hack that you could share? Something they could do to get the their brain calmed down. What I can do for you, Dawn, is is talk about um, some, some, some easy things that, that, that are also quick calm downs and they're, they're not on the level of those hacks. Yeah. But the, the, the vagus nerve runs through the entire body, as I'm sure you know. And so right. when we activate the vagus nerve, if you Google that, it'll blow up. So, we, so when, when, uh, when my students come out of their mindful minute in the morning, I remind them, it's okay, let's make sure when we kind of come out of our mindfulness, we come out gently with ease and self-compassion because you want you don't want to be common like hit a brick wall right so right one is to do uh firm sort of circular motions on the eyelids like an eyelid massage that will stimulate the vagus nerve which deactivates the the limbic system reduces you know that now it's not meant to last for a long time but it will mm-hmm. be a pretty quick reset another one is uh the outer uh outer rim of the uh, ear to kind of go up and down. I, we, I suggest three times with um, pressure. You just feel around with your finger. Yeah. But like kind of like put uh, your index finger and your thumb on the edge. Yep. And go up all the way around to where your ear meets your head Uh and then back down. And that counts as one and then twice and then three times. And then uh, another one is if you start where you're uh, with both index fingers where your smile on uh-huh. the, either side of your mouth and then go up or, or up over your uh, where your no- the periphery of your nose up to the top of your eyebrow, like where glasses would be and then down again. That's one. Do that three times. And then I can your I can give your list listeners. Um, these are quicker ones, but they do work really, really well. There's, if you know about the four four eight tech breathing technique or no? No. Okay. This is a really, really good one. And it's research demonstrated. I'll tell you, I have such a pet peeve. You're probably going to laugh at this when influencers or whoever say backed by neuroscience and like they say that to hook people and it's not real. It just drives me crazy, <laughs> especially because, because I'm really talking about neurons. Right? So, um, so, so anyway, the uh, research demonstrated that we know when we exhale longer than we inhale, that does really great things for the brain. Also, when we breathe deeply, it's it's a neurological reset. So it pulls your mind out of the future, 
which is stealing, robbing us of our life minutes anyway, and out of the past, which is also robbing us of our life minutes. So here's how it works. Um, we breathe in and uh, for up to one one thousand. So I tell my students, like if you say one, two, three, four, that's not really four seconds, right? Okay. So one went that slowly. One went that. You're breathing in because I can't talk and breathe at the same right. time. Right. <laughs> so one one thousand, two and then you and then you stop, and then you say one one thousand. You count to one one thousand to four one thousand again, only holding it. So it's in for four, hold for four, and then the exhale is actually eight to eight one thousand. So one 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 thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand, four one thousand. Hold to four one thousand. And then exhale up to eight one thousand through your nose or your in, mouth. Or in, I'm sorry. Yes. So the first four. Well, I I do it either way. But if you're if you can do it, and everybody has the has the best schnoz, you know, with breathing. <laughs> it's 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 ideally better if you can breathe in through your nose and then out and then hold, obviously, then out through your mouth. Okay. So four four eight four four eight. Okay. And uh, my students, we this is a, a new one we've been doing recently, and they love it. They absolutely love it. Um, so that those are some. How many tricks. times do you do that? Three. Three times. Okay. Now you can. The great thing is you can do this on a boring date in a boring meeting. <laughs> no, no, nobody knows what you're doing. Like if you're just having an anxious time, you're having monkey mind thoughts. You know, nobody can tell. Another thing that I do myself in monkey mind is usually insinuates negative and anxiety, all that. Sometimes I'm just really ex excited to start. <laughs> and, and so when I'm walking into campus, what I do is I pick a stop sign or something that isn't going to move. Like you don't want to pick the cat on the, on the stairs, you know, right. You pick the stop sign or, or the, or the car that has a ticket on it or something. <laughs> and I I'll just pick that focal point. It might only be 50 feet away. But then I just breathe. I, I just commit to breathing in and out, focusing only on that stop sign while I'm on the sidewalk. And that's also an immediate reset. Okay. Those are great. Like you said, nobody would need to know that you were doing it or would be able to tell. No. And the thing is, I tell my, my Minecrafters, if, if, you're, if somebody says, you know, why are you rubbing your earlobes? Enlighten them. Educate them. You sure. say, well, I'm taking this course called Minecraft and... You know, Professor Quinn says, you know, da, 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 and they feel it. So it's interesting by the beginning of the semester when they, we, we do the mindfulness and the gratitude go around and we do the, the eyes, all this stuff I just told you. And the, the first day, they're often a little awkward. By the end of the of the Minecraft class, I, they're like all zenned out. I'm like, let's go. You know, <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And um, and it's just they they really have have talked about, you know, because the the the, um, the rewires is real. Neurons that wire together, fire together. We know that to be true. We can actually put an fMRI on 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 someone's head and and see the changes in the gratitude and things like that. Oh, that's so amazing. Yeah, yeah. I like I like Dr. Joe Dispenza too. I've read all his books and it's just phenomenal the stuff that they can see the brain doing while people are meditating. Oh, there's no question. Oh my God, there's just no question. But also just, you know, shifting into a more a more positive thought pattern. You can actually see brain changes. And the cool thing about that is while we're shifting into posit into the more positive mindset, there's something called neuro, uh, neural pruning. Do you know what that is? No. I just want to make assumptions. So and this is in April. It's a good time to talk about it. So it's kind of like you've heard, uh, if you don't use it, you lose it. 
Yes. Well, that can be bad if we're talking about high school Spanish, right? Because that <laughs> long time ago, you go to Spain, now you got nothing, right? right. So or not much. <laughs> so, so that's the, the not a good way. But but it is a good way if somebody is working really hard to make po- positive changes in their life. And they're sticking with the gratitude journal, maybe and they're doing they're being working on being present more through the day in the moment. Well, the brain is going to notice. Hey, what happened to that negative? What happened to all that what if thinking we had going on? What happened to all that catastrophizing we had going on? Yeah. And it's same thing. If we don't use it, we trim it. Just like the dead stuff off the bushes in April to make more, to make room for more neural neuronal growth. And that's like very Darwinian, right? Because it, it's yeah. survival of the fittest, right? So that's a real thing. So when we're doing the gratitude journal, it's really twofold because we're shifting into new neural pathways that are literally being created while we're doing it. And the, the negative ones are actually being trimmed and fading into oblivion. Oh my gosh. That is so fascinating. I love it. I have learned so much from you today. This has been great. So can you tell people um, where they can find you? Yes. I would love to tell them where they can find me, Dawn. <laughs> if you ever, if you ever want one on the hacks, just let me know. Cause that's, that's a, that's a fun one. Um, my, my name is Dr. Kimberly Quinn and you can find me on YouTube, which is mind with a D mind craft. It's, I don't know. If you look me up, mind craft, Dr. Kimberly Quinn, you'll find me there. Awesome. And do you have a good piece of advice that you were given that you'd like to share? Uh, God, I've been given so much. I I mean, I hang around good vibes. So there's, that's phenomenal. It's quite a a pool to pick from. That's got to make it pretty nice to go to work every day. Yeah. That positivity around. It's, it it is really super wonderful. I can tell you something because I have so much things that are said to me. That's like, like wonderfully overwhelming, but I can tell you something that at the end of the Minecraft semester that I say to them, do it. And, uh, because we talk a lot about life minutes and being present, because if you're not being present in your life, you're, you're wasting, you're not, you, you have no life. You're wasting your life. Right. Right. And so I have these jumbo fake million dollar bills. And so, <laughs> after, so after hearing about everything I say all semester at the end, I write on it, let's say it's dawn. And I say, spend your life minutes as if they were cash. <laughs> and I, I hand because think about it. You wouldn't, you know, spend 200 bucks on a yard sale sweater, probably, or even spend a lot of time looking at it, right? So you want to get really, really selective about the thoughts you allow in your head, the people you spend your time with, and really be thinking about, you know, there are only so many life minutes we, you know, are allotted. And to really spend them, prioritize your life minutes and spend them as if they were cash. That is my advice. That is wonderful. Live your life on purpose. Absolutely. Deliberately with intention. Oh, that's awesome. I am so happy that we got to connect. I just thoroughly enjoyed this. We may have to do a part two because this was great. And I just think that everybody can use a little bit of help throughout the day. And sometimes it just takes one thing that you hear and it just alters everything. So, okay, Kimberly, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Dawn. It was a pleasure. Yeah, you bet. Okay, I'll be in touch soon. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye.